When I was nine or ten, I went and stayed for a couple of weeks with my Uncle Dick down at his place in Arkansas. On one of those summer nights, I was hanging out with my uncle and some of his cronies at a campfire on a hiking trail. And one of the guys, everyone called him Poot, told us about how the previous week he had caught a really large fish on the little river that was behind us, but he'd been unable to land it. It was just too big and and too heavy, he said, and he was afraid that his rod or his fish line was actually going to break. A guy fishing nearby, Poot said, came and helped him get that big fish up on the riverbank, though not all the way out of the water, and they just couldn't drag it any further. It was too heavy. Another guy drove by on his ATV, and he offered to help. And the three of them got a rope around the center of that big fish and used the ATV to pull the huge fish while Poot and the, and the other man pushed on the ATV. Whew, said Poot. It worked. And I looked at the size of that fish and I thought, uh, I have got to get a picture of this thing or no one will believe I've caught it. The ATV guy had a camera and so I posed for a picture with one foot up on the fish and and both arms raised in a Superman salute. Oh, Mr. Poot, I said, wow, I would love to see that picture. Well, Johnny, he said, "I, I would love to show you that picture, but I don't have it with me. Oh, come on, said one of the guys. If I had a picture of a fish that big, I'd always be carrying it around. Well, I tried that, said Poot, but it's just not possible. That fish was so big, so big that the picture of that fish weighs 50 pounds. Later, I asked my Uncle Dick, was that a true story about that big fish? Oh, yes, my uncle said, yes, Johnny, that story was true. I think that was the summer I first fell in love with storytelling. Take a hike with John Spellman through the world of tall tales, folk stories, and the winding woods of the Appalachian storytelling tradition. Sit by the fire while overnight hikers council register and Routhog tell John about such happenings as the fight between a frog and a snake a magical rabbit whistle, Polly the Dancing Witch, the mermaid in the cow pond, and how Jock the Trickster fools his way into riches. Once Time is a story in 11 episodes, full of tales a little too magic to be real and a little too real to be totally made up. Welcome to episode one, where John hikes past a haunted house in the woods. Then, later that evening, sitting by the campfire, An old friend who calls himself Routhog tells John about a real-life spook show at the haunted house, which Hog calls a haint house. Campfire Stories On the Appalachian Trail, Many of the stories I was told began with just two words, once time. 
Once time, I was deep in the woods at the start of a two-night solo backpacking hike along mountain ridges straddling the Virginia-West Virginia border. My second day, after hiking for about five hours, I took a break in a large and nearly circular pool of water. I dropped my pack, refilled my water bladders, ate a protein bar, and then stepped into the woods to answer a call of nature. When I zipped up and looked out, I find myself very nearly face to face with a large white-tailed doe. We looked at each other for a long moment, and then she slowly turned and started into a heavily wooded gully. And I followed her for perhaps a hundred feet until deciding that I was just too persistent, she ran off and disappeared. As I swung around to return to the water and locate my pack, my eye caught the glint of something in the woods to my left. Twenty more steps in that direction brought me to the edge of a large, nearly flat area that must have once been a meadow. And on the far side of that now heavily overgrown clearing, sunlight was shifting on broken panes of glass in windows set in the ruined walls of a very large building. I stood there looking at what seemed to me to be a real life haunted house and wondering how it had come to be built there and how long ago and why it was empty. I did decide, however, not to investigate the site because, frankly, it left me feeling a little uneasy. And besides, my pack was starting to feel heavy and I wanted to be sure I could reach a good camping site before dark. I regained the trail and was soon absorbed in figuring out how I might be able to use that old house as the setting for a, some kind of scary tale about the ghastly murder of a solo backpacker. And minutes later, at the edge of a little stream, I literally bumped into a woods-walking friend of mine, trail name Routhog. He was given that name by other hikers, because he had a habit of snorting in his sleep and sometimes during the day. Say my name like the name of a road, he had told me when we first met. It's route, like rhymes with snout, route hog. I actually think it's a name he was happy to take so he could seem more countrified, because when he's not in the woods, he teaches folklore at a community college in Maryland and actually gives that away sometimes by wearing creased khaki pants on the trail. John, he says, John, great to see you. How's that baby you got at home? Oh, Hog. Route Hog, a loving man, a valued friend, a bit of a practical joker. Hey, I said to him, How, how's your old dog doing? He didn't answer. He'd been worried about his dog. Routhog had just set up camp in a small fire pit for the night in a wooded area between the trail and the little creek, or as he called it, a creek. We sat and talked, and pretty soon through gulps of water and trail mix, Hog began to spin out a long, convoluting story of a hike he had taken with a mutual friend of ours, old-time fellow by the name of Council Register. Council Register is a West Virginian, 
a natural-born woodsman and storyteller who is, like Rathog himself, a man of rather endearing, although sometimes frustrating, eccentricities, which actually makes him a welcome companion on a hike. Hogg, Council, and I had once spent a week together on the Tuscarora Trail, and I had hiked on several separate occasions with each of the men. The two of them had decided that my trail name should be Smellman, after I once carelessly let it slip that in junior high I was not John Spellman. I had been nicknamed John Smellman. So... Once time, Roadhog told me in his countrified academic way of talking, Council and I were backpacking, foot slogging is what Council likes to call it, and I had transferred about 50 feet ahead of him along the trail by a little creek, sort of like Issen. Council had stopped, just stopped for the third or fourth time in 10 minutes to look at one more caterpillar on one more tree. And I was waiting for him to catch up to me, when I heard directly next to me a loud, wet, kerplunking sound. And I looked over to my left, and there plunked smack dab in the center of a large rock at the edge of a little creek pool was a frog, the biggest frog I had ever seen. It had light green skin bumped up with dark green-black spots, and it was wet. Water was running off its enormous back onto the boulder, onto which it must have just climbed. John, that frog was mammoth, a freak. I started backing away from it towards council as quietly and as carefully as I could. That amphibian had its back to me and had not seen me, and I did not want it to hear me, so I moved backwards about five slow steps toward where council stood, intently studying the caterpillar, which had now turned sideways on the side of the tree, so the council's head was now tilted parallel to the trail. I eased up to within a few feet of him, took one more look at the frog, it still had not moved, and then turned back to council and took a breath to whisper his name. But before I could make a sound, he saw me and he said near the top of his very loud voice, Hey, take a look at the size of this fuzzy sucker. You know how loud he is, John, and mostly I put up with it, but this time I, I, I had to shush him. I jumped up towards him, raising the palm of my hand toward his mouth, and I put the index finger of my other hand on my lips. Shh, shh. What, he said, what? In a voice only slightly reduced in volume. Oh, shush, shush, counsel, can't you whisper? I am whispering, he says. I'm whispering, but I don't know why. I stepped up to him and put my lips to his ear and breathed out in a tiny hush. Okay, counsel, here's why. I want to show you something. Oh, man, I bet it's the biggest frog you ever saw. <laughs> I know, John. I know, John, said Radhawk. I know, I know. I, I, I should never have used the word bet within hearing distance of counsel. As soon as it was out my mouth, I realized my mistake, because counsel cannot resist a bet. So, of course, he did not hear the word in the sense I had used it. I had meant, of course, that 
I am confident that over there on that rock is quite likely the biggest frog you ever saw. But counsel did not take it that way. Oh, yeah, he honked, his pitch and volume rising once again. Oh, yeah, well, once time at home, I saw a frog that I clapped my hand right over his mouth and leaned in again to his ear. Please, counsel, please, just be quiet and look before you break. Okay, he said suddenly, much quieter. All right. His volume still several notches above what I thought the situation called for, but it was the closest thing to a whisper I'd ever heard from him. Splendid, I said, thank you, splendid. And then I turned to lead him down the path, taking an exaggerated first step tiptoe so he would get the idea. But instantly he clapped me on the shoulder, his hand on my sweaty t-shirt made a huge loud smack and I turned back to face him, biting my lip and rolling my eyes in painted frustration. Sorry, he said, but how much we gonna bet? I, we are going to bet, aren't we? Come on, Hog, let's bet. Well, it was useless not to bet him now, and equally useless for me to suggest an amount. Council always has the last word on that. Six dollars, he said. We're going to bet six dollars and sixteen cents. I knew exactly what Roundhog was talking about. I have never known counsel to bet a usual or even a rational amount of money like 50 cents or $5 or, or even a round figure like $6 or even seven fifty. I, I mean, he always has to make it sound like it's a sale or a deal, like some kind of bargain that only a fool would resist. And over the years, I won a lot of money from counsel. Last figure I remember him announcing was that he owed me 2200 and something dollars and some cents. I don't remember all the digits because I long ago gave up the idea that he would ever pay me the amount of his accumulated debt. But he likes to keep track of it and even perversely to brag about how much it is. Well, continued right Hog, I, I, I didn't discuss the amount, John. I just bet the 660 while actually thinking to myself and remembering to say aloud that counsel could just add that amount to what I'd won from him the night before. See, around our previous evening's campfire, counsel had lost two separate bets to me. One, about whether the rubber coating on a flashlight would or would not melt if he put it on a log quite close to the heat. And another, about how many seconds 412, he had said, 412 seconds it would take for a certain coal to wink out. Oh, John, we, we were camped in a beautiful spot that counsel led me to, a spot near a large creek pool, almost big enough to be called a, a pond, maybe 40 feet across and almost perfectly circular. Well, you know what, John? I think it was right near here. Yeah, right where this here stream runs down to a draw and then into a big pool is a spot within 200 feet of a deer lick where counsel had also shown me a black bear that he said we would definitely see. And counsel said we were at a creek pool. It's not a pond, he said. West Virginia, he announced, does not have ponds or natural lakes for that matter. 
well, at any rate, we swam in this pool, or rather I swam in it, and Council sat in water up to his neck and waved his arms and legs around. Yeah, I, I remember the Council had once told me, John, I don't swim and I never will. People's bodies is built for walking and climbing, not for going anywhere in water. After we got out of the water, Hawk kept going. Council used his handheld fishing line and some carrion beetles we got from under logs, and he caught two trout. And I roasted them in coals for our supper. And we're sitting there by the fire pit, me just musing a little bit on the idea of eating something I had just been swimming with. When Council says, Hey, Hawk, did you see that triangle-shaped piece of cloth fluttering down near the bottom of that creek pool over at that deep corner? No, I said. I only swam that way once. The water got cold over there. Well, when I walked around that edge, I seen that trembling down there under the water, and I was sure it was cloth. Looked like part of a woman's dress. You didn't see that, Hog? No, I said, I, I was only over there for a second. And then later, after we'd cleaned up from supper, Council and I sat around the coals in the fire pit and we watched darkness slip down between the trees. And that's when Council made and lost his two bets with me. And then, John, he told me a seriously scary story about how an old man he knew had one night met a horrible, gruesome end in order to protect his grandson from the big white bird of death. Ooh, after that little jewel of mayhem, we just sat there, staring into the glowing pit in front of us. And then I heard, I started hearing in the woods behind me, the rustling of a large bird, and I, I jerked sharply around, half expecting to see a, a huge white feathered devil fowl launching its giant claws into my face. Nothing materialized out of the blackness behind me, and I heard Council woof out a long, loud breath and say, that wasn't the death bird, Hog. That was a wild turkey traveling the other direction. Yeah, that's what I figured, I said. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just trying to get a, a look at it. And Council laughed. <laughs> he does like to spook people. I stared down at the fire. Only three small coals were still winking at us in the dark. The largest of them pulsed and weakened. And I began counting one, one thousand, two, one thousand, to see how long it would take for it to go completely out. And in the next moment, it seemed, well, I'll, I'll tell you, John, it suddenly felt, it felt as if I was alone, totally alone, sitting beside a dying fire. A very strange feeling. I, I was filled with a sudden crazy fear that Council had died, and I was the last person alive on Earth, and the planet itself was about to expire as well. I looked up, checked on Council to, well, he was still alive, but he was sitting very still, almost un, 
naturally still, I thought. He's gazing into the fire pit that reflected back to him only two coals glowing like luminous reptile eyes sunk in the black ash. And he was clutching his knees, hunched up to his chest like a little boy. And then I heard other sounds, maybe voices, maybe faint instrumental music, sounds that were somehow old, but still very real, very present, very close. Maybe tree branches rubbing together, sighs, voices, fiddles, something like moaning mandolin. Council, I whispered. I thought you said nobody lived near here. Council, council, does anyone live near here? Nope. Well, are we near a campground? No. Council, did, did you bring a radio? No. Did you bring a tape deck? No. CD player? Nope. Council. Council, do you hear music? Yeah. Well, Council, I'm asking, do you know where it's coming from? Yep, I do. Council, would you please tell me? No. Look, Hog, just take your flashlight and go down through that little gully and through those bushes, shine your light around, and you come back and tell me what you see. Yeah, I said, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to sit here by the fire. I pulled the flashlight out of my pack, and I followed Council's directions. And when I came through the bushes and shined the light out in front of me, John, I could see that I was at the edge of a wide clearing. It was now overgrown, and at the far side were the remains of an old wooden building. It looked to be at least two stories high and quite long, much of its gabled roof still intact, I thought. And it had a large veranda with four or five wooden steps that tumbled down to what had probably once been a grassy lawn. It was clearly uninhabited, except by half a dozen small black birds. Or maybe they were bats that flew back and forth under the ceiling of the veranda and in and out of large broken windows. The odd sounds I was hearing were emanating from in or near that old mansion. But as I got to about 20 feet of the stairs, the noises ceased. And that sudden silence and the stillness, and even the dark swoopy creatures were no longer visible. That was more frightening to me than the sound had been, and I, and I retreated to our fireside. And I could see as I came up through the woods that Council was now flopped over on his back in the dim light of a few flickering twigs that had caught fire from the last of the coals in the fire pit. 
there was a tree between him and me so that for just a moment it looked as if his head had been lopped off and his body had fallen over backwards. I walked over and shined the light until I saw Council's open eyes glowing like a cat's in his still attached head. Sat down across from him and after a moment he sat up slowly and he faced me. The fire now went completely out, but the moon had begun to rise through the trees and I could just see his face. His head cocked slightly and one eyebrow raised a bit. Did you see it? he asked. Spooky place, huh? And at that point, Routhog just suddenly stopped his story. And he says, don't you need to get going, John? Where are you aiming to end up tonight? Well, I said nowhere in particular. No, not particular. I, I, mean, I could camp here. What for? said Routhog. To hear the rest of your story, I said. Now, did Council tell you what that place was? Because I think I passed there about ten minutes before I got here. Well, you probably did. But that's a whole long story about that place. You don't want to hear it all, do you? Yes, I do, I said, wiggling out a little place in the earth with my rear end and loosening up the laces on my boots. I want to hear it from the beginning. Will you tell me?